The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into your Sunday edition of the Lombardi line presented by DraftKings. I'm Ben Wilson in for Stormy. It is an absolute pleasure to be back with Michael Lombardi. Haven't been with you in a while, man. Great to see you. Good to see you too, Ben. Thank you for filling in. Appreciate you. It's good to be here on a Sunday as we enter into the college basketball world and spring training, which I'm sure you're excited about. So yeah, we're ready to go. I might have a, t- a tad more excitement than you on that, Michael, although we <laughs> have, a, uh, lot, <laughs> we have a lot of NFL stuff to get into uh, today. Yeah, I mean, look, we're three weeks out now from Selection Sunday uh, as the college basketball, as this grind here continues. We had more court stormings yesterday, more big uh, big time matchups. The big one was the Houston overtime win over Baylor. I don't know how much much of that you're catching at this point, mm. uh, Michael, but there's, you know, there's a lot of teams who can uh, go ahead and win the big dances here. It's very much uh, wide yeah. open at the top with a couple it, elite teams it, and then a lot it, of good it, teams. It, it, it seems wide open. Kentucky, wow. You know, when Kentucky shoots well and plays like that, you know, they're better than their record. They look like they could be a team to contend with, but they're always – you're risking the fact that sometimes they will not be as offensively explosive as they were yesterday. So, you know, I think this is all – you know, it's so much about the seeding. It's so much about who gets hot at the right time. You know, much like the NFL playoffs, like we've said many times, when the Chiefs lost to the Raiders on Christmas Day – it was bye-bye birdie. They're never going to win this thing. And here they come back and, you know, they go on the road and they win games and, you know, they, they win another Super Bowl. So congratulations. But really the big story of today, Ben, and I, I'm disappointed you didn't realize this, is Glenn Rivers, the great Don Rivers, I was is about returning to, to Philadelphia today. Okay, good. Okay. I just wanted to keep it on your radar because that's a big moment, you know. He, he felt he should have been hired at this time, even though he was working for them as a consultant. He hated to see the coach get fired, even though he was looking to get back in. So his return to Philly is going to be excited. I can say that. Uh, and the Bucks and Sixers today, they're, they're quite, not, quite clearly not the teams that faced off 
to start the year. You go all the way back to October, and the Bucks are favored about four and a half points on the road today. You know, Bucks got the big upset win over Minnesota Friday, and it's it's. I'm sure you uh, you had a field day, Michael, seeing all the comments over the All Star break of Doc Rivers saying, "Well, you know, the timing was. You know, I don't know why they hired me then, and all kind of all these excuses, and you know, me being from Milwaukee, all you know, all the Bucks fans are kind of like, all right, are we are we already done with Doc? Ten games in, all the you know, all the overreaction to that early, but uh, it's fascinating to see where that team is at, considering that you know the offensive numbers have been terrible since he's come in. And Damian Lillard is a big part of that. He yeah. shot 30% from three over the last month. But you know, defensively has been better. And it's that classic case, right, of, okay, we're going we're gonna to jump to conclusions off of a super small sample size for Doc. Yet he, by his own doing, is sort of the story right now. And that's sort of, it's one of those things. He didn't have to be, but yet he is. And now he goes back to one of the places he coached for. It makes, makes for a fascinating situation there today. Well, you know, Doc, really, when it gets playoff time, that's when you see the great Doc. That's the thing you've got to, as a Milwaukee Buck fan, you've got something to look forward to, right? You know, because he loves those second round see you later. So, they, you know, you have to look forward to that. Uh-huh. Look, you know, I mean, Doc, as you know, you say 10, 40 million, uh, you know, for Doc. I mean, he just keeps collecting the money and keeps going and God bless him. It's great. It's a good gig. You get it. And certainly he brings the, the, the credibility that he's played in the league. He's coached in the league. He's won a championship. But to me, just haven't seen him. If you have any young players on the roster, there's no chance they're going to play or get better. And you can cite, well, you know, he did with Tyrese Maxey. No, 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 no. Stop. Maxi, he only played Maxi because he had to because he couldn't put anybody else in the game. It wasn't a development program. So it'll be interesting to see how this transcends itself, especially the way Boston's playing. Big win last night in the Garden. You know, they dominated. They're on an eight-game win streak. They look like they are the best team in the league. Meanwhile, the, you know, the Dallas Mavericks are playing at a high, high level, and they're six seed over in the West. So it's such a difference, right, in the NBA, how one one division is really unbelievable and the other one has got some great teams. If Dallas was in the East, where do you think they would be, Ben? Well, I, well, I, would, I would imagine based on I mean, the current form and the strength of schedule down the stretch, if they were playing an Eastern Conference schedule, you would feel like Dallas to get the two seed would be two or three seed would probably be the favorite right now, yeah. right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, Dallas is playing so well, and they finally, you know, getting rid of Grant Williams was a positive for them. They needed to get the big center. They needed to get somebody in there to help their team, but he was really dragging them down in terms of he came in very heavy, wasn't in shape. You know, they paid him a a lot of money, but I think getting P.J. Washington in, getting rid of Williams, getting the, you know, the Galliford, the center from the Wizards gives them another presence and they feel really good about their team. And, you know, here they are a six seed and they're playing as well as anybody. And Luca, really, I know that Twitter Femi was high on Jason Tatum as as maybe the MVP, but the way Luca's playing in terms of how he is coming, you might want to put some some pizza money down on him for an MVP vote. He surpassed Giannis the other day after finishing was what a rebound shy of a triple double had 41 in that first game out of the break and he uh, passed Giannis going to six to one on and has now slipped to 12 to one there uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks and uh, I mean you're so right Michael on the west even Golden State who's been red hot now the last couple of weeks and they've all they've been able to do is like barely you know work themselves into that top eight seed line still looking like a team that'll have to play in the play in tournament 
great example of a group that is starting to click on all cylinders too, but they're so mired down and you know in a in a slow start and where the Western Conference is at uh, makes it a really you know really tough proposition there. Uh, Philly for today, you know Philly you know, Philly beats uh, had, had the upset win the other night as they you know they take out uh, you know they had the win over the Cavs who had the Donovan Mitchell illness going on the last couple of games and yeah it's weird you look at Philly you feel like it's a lost season and they're three and three now without Embiid but still fifth in the East that's a great example in a nutshell right of where we're at right now yeah. Well, I mean, you know, look, the other night they had a seven-point lead with like 26 seconds to go, and they almost blew that. It was interesting. Scoring down the stretch is the problem for Philly, right? You know, Maxi took that game over, you know, in the fourth quarter where he was able to dominate. They couldn't really stop him, get an answer. And, you know, uh, uh, Lavert was just horrible. He couldn't hit the broadside of a barn shooting for for uh, Cleveland. So that that was problematic for them. And of course, not having Mitchell. But, you know, the Sixers are just, to me, they just, without Embiid at the fourth quarter with six minutes to go, whether they're up four or down four, that's where it really gets a little sticky. And, and Maxi has been able to be that guy to deliver in the clutch. But I think as it gets, the competition gets tougher, you know, they're going to take him away and force the ball to somebody else. And whether that could be Buddy Heald, who didn't shoot well the other night or someone else, they're going to have to figure that out. And not a surprise, too, to see the point differential now with him beat out last six games about minus six for Philly. That's about what you would expect as the Sixers take on the Bucks today. That's one o'clock Eastern time. Bucks four, four and a half point favorites, 235 now your total. As we'll visit with Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst, to talk more NBA a little bit later in the show. Michael, coming up at 1130, that Bucks Sixers is our first tip of the day at 1 p.m. We'll also have some college basketball talk. Will Hill join us a little bit later this hour at 1045 our vcent contributor from the should have bet more podcast uh, that is all still to come but what i'm really excited about is to talk some nfl with you we've got the combine going on tomorrow a whole lot of a whole lot of your pals flying into indianapolis there today so we'll we'll start uh, that whole week of uh, discussion once we start all the uh, all the workouts going on there tomorrow michael i think the, the classic thing to really talk about though is the whole behind the scenes angle, right? And what actually is going on now that we get into combine season? Because you've been there, you know what what uh, what that is like. It, when you talk about the discussions between the execs, the players, and the agents, what is the reality there of what's actually happening? Well, this combine has been really uh, it, it got off to a great great start, and the reason it got off to a great start is simply because of the cap number, right? We we just got a historic rise in the cap number, which made a lot of teams, especially teams like the New Orleans Saints and some other, you know, teams like the Miami Dolphins who were well over the cap, you know, this this increase of two, up to $255 million was huge for them. And this is just a byproduct is what I keep saying all along. You know, when anybody wants to talk about the, the Taylor Swift effect and they complain about Taylor Swift and all that, well, you can complain all you want, but that money gets put into a pool. And because of the ratings and because of the success, the players benefit from this. And so, you know, right now, as the Saints were starting out, they were 80 million over the cap and having that they, they would go to Indianapolis fully with the intention of either redoing contracts, cutting players, trying to rearrange some things, maybe trading a player here or there, they're going to have to, they, their burden became less because of the increase. And so some other teams now, all of a sudden, there's a little bit more wiggle room. Could the Giants, you know, now with this increase, are they going to franchise Saquon Barkley, right? I mean, it gives you this increase, gives you a year to kind of say, okay, I'm not going to sign Barkley on a long-term deal, but because of the increase, I can probably extend him out. 
And I think there's something to think about. The Steelers, which were, were over the cap, you know, because of this increase, now have $9 million to play around with. And they still they cut Mason Cole, their center, to pick up $5 million. So there's moves people are making to get below the cap. The interesting thing is going to be the value of the player. As the cap goes up, right, you know, there's teams with more cap room. But the quality of the player hasn't gone up to the level that the cap has gone up. That's the hard part, Ben. That's the hard part. You know, you're sitting there saying, okay, wait a minute. I'm going to pay this guy X. He's going to be in the top five at paid at his position. I don't see that, you know, and then that's the hard thing. That's that's where, as this cap increases, I think the smart teams will still value the player at the correct number. Reminds me a little bit, you know, you start going in that direction, right, Michael? And it's the, the NBA offseason from several years ago when the cap spiked and all of a sudden these role guys are getting you know, five-year, $75 million deals just because the teams had so much to spend. Not that we expect it gets to that level, but it, it brings up an interesting case, right, especially for those teams. Because like the Cincinnati Bengals, we'll talk about them on the other side. They already had a ton of cap room. Now they've got even more. And so yeah. how do you, you know, how do you smartly go about that? Makes it uh, easy. Absolutely. It's something we, yeah. we want to break down. That here. makes it easy. They just, yeah, it, for them. Yeah. It, there, there's some decisions that got made by this cap increase and we'll talk about it after the break, but that, that's a good point. And cap up, in, up to 255.4 million now on that cap increase for 2024. Yeah. Talk some latest news but and I, notes around the NFL. The first year it was 36, uh, Ben. Oh, pretty crazy. We'll talk about all that when we come back, including a franchise tag on T Higgins as the Lombardi line is underway. of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. We're underway on your Sunday edition of the Lombardi Line, Michael. I just pulled up the 2016 NBA free agency just because that's where we, we're going I here. Just it. talking to the salary cap rise in the NFL, which we'll dive into here in a little bit. That year, NBA salary cap went up 24 million. Similar similar number here to the NFL, which is up 30 million, million in their cap this year. Some of these, man. And now the one that everybody remembers is the Chandler Parsons four years, 94 million to Memphis, which is uh, actually, yeah, which is go, going down as one of the worst ever uh, on these contracts. But like Timothy Mozgov got four years, 64 mil with the Lakers. Uh, Son Whiteside, four for 98 with the Heat. You know, I'll even, you know, the, the Bucks who obviously, yeah, I'm a Bucks fan, Michael, I love them, but they gave Mirza Toledovic 30 million over three years. I, you know, guy who even the hardcore Bucks fans barely even remember. Point being, you can you can sometimes get yourself into a situation where you start overpaying role players, guys who are not really worth it. And that is where we'll uh, be fascinated to see where these NFL teams go now, with especially the ones who have more cap space here in 24. Well, I, I think the increase to me is really beneficial more if you want a franchise, if you just want one more year out of the player, right? So T. Higgins, you really want him on your team, but you know you're going to have to sign Jamar Chase down the road. You've already got... Uh, Joe Burrow under contract, but you also don't have a right tackle because Jonas Williams is not going to be under contract. You're going to need to replace him, whether it's in the draft or in somewhere else at an economic value. Uh, to me, if you can, when you franchise a guy on one year, it's really you're renting. And so you're eating cap space up uh, and for the Bengals will be a good thing. And then you can make the decision down the road and kind of keep your team together for one more year. You, you know, the one thing about the NFL is, you know, we all had these five-year plans and then all of a sudden the five-year plans became three-year plans. And now, based on the element of of what's occurred and the value of these teams and the, fr- and the money that's involved is you're, you better just have about a 24-month plan. And so if you're Cincinnati, you know you bring Higgins back. You've added some younger receivers, so you don't have to add Boyd. You don't have to bring Boyd back. You're going to cut Mixon and even pick up more room, find another running back, and and then move on from there. And then build a, maybe add a, a alignment, a right tackle, whether you bring Williams back or not. So there's a lot of flexibility. Whereas like you look at teams, Ben, like the Lions. I mean, the Lions have a ton of cap room, fifty, almost $60 million dollars. You know, and they tr- they cut Tracy Walker the other day to pick up another five. So their their ability to, uh, you know, sign some of their own players and keep the nucleus of this team together and then add to their defense puts them in a really strong position, right? A really strong position moving forward. Whereas Green Bay's got a lot of young players and they're going to have to move a little bit around. That they're, they're about four million below the cap. Now, their young talent is pretty good. And they don't have a, you know, they're going to have to sign Jordan Love to an extension at some point. But I think to me, there's there lies the difference. Green Bay's they've got to count on Jeff Halfley improving their defense, but they've got a really good nucleus of a team, and they'll pick up more cap room as they start lumping guys off their team like Bakari and others. Yep. It's a great example of how all, even for teams who are in on paper good cap situations, these 
these situations are all created uniquely for where the teams are set up right now. And there are 10 teams with at least 50 million uh, in, in current cap space based on that 30 million increase via the spot track numbers who keep track of the of all the cap space as we see it right now. Cincinnati is one of those teams. They're 10th right now as far as most cap space coming in. And what I get back to them and, you know, we talk about the franchise tag for T Higgins. Well, two off seasons ago, Cincinnati made this massive investment into the offensive line. And that bared some fruit as they made the run to the Super Bowl. But we've seen injuries plague that last year. Even before Joe Burrow's injury, the offensive line was spotty. Didn't, didn't quite give the return on investment. Maybe Bengal fans were hoping. And that that's my question now on the Bengals is what do you do? Mention the right tackle spot. And you've got a Jonah Jackson. Uh, a type, or a type, uh, you have the, the Jonah uh, a player at the right tackle spot. I don't know where ben, the Bengals go on that front. But it's an interesting case study since you just went all in on your offensive line two years ago. Right. And, and, you know, and they kind of they got Orlando Brown to play left tackle who, you know, they kind of get away with that. The Karras has played well at center. Uh, I think to me, you know, there's a price for Williams. It's not perfect, uh, but there's a price for him. You just one thing about the Bengals, they get accused of being cheap, which I think is completely wrong. I think the Bengals are are tactical. I think they're not going to overpay. I think they just don't want to overpay. And when you're not, and most teams overpay, so when you're not in that overpay category, you look like you're cheap. I don't think the Bengals are cheap. I think Mike Brown is fairly is fairly economically uh, sophisticated in the sense that he's only going to pay what he thinks the value of that position is. And like Mixon, I think if they feel like Mixon isn't going to be worth what the number they're going to pay him, they're going to have to move on and find another running back, which is a smart thing to do. So, yeah, I, I do think when you break this team down, Cincinnati, they, they're going to have to get better in their defensive front. DJ Reader's a free agent for them, which and he's a really good player in their defensive front, which they need him back or they need someone like him to help their front out. I think that's going to be the key because their defense let them down this year. They were not the same, but we know they let Bates go, which was a key component to what they do, were doing. Von Bell was a key component. He went to Carolina. So there's a lot of things that changed. And where Reader will be at now, he had the torn quad coming back from injury. That's another big question mark, too. So you have the Reader piece, the Jonah Williams piece at right tackle. A lot of questions there to answer for Cincinnati. As we continue on some NFL news and notes, other teams in the AFC, they're also starting to make moves as we have the cap space news coming out. And the Miami Dolphins, who already lost their defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, earlier in this cycle. Uh, now the, the defense continues to be retooled, and it, they're expecting now to release the veteran cornerback, Xavier Howard, the four-time Pro Bowler who had some injury issues last year. That move expected to be official once the league season starts on March 13th, and that would save about $18.5 million, Michael, toward the cap in twenty four. Yeah, I mean, look, Miami, that's been a problem. Miami's secondary has been a problem, really. Uh, and obviously getting getting uh, Jalen Ramsey back in there. But let's be clear here. Xavier Howard was a guy everybody was targeting. He's a press corner who's got to play on guys. He's what I call a breakfast corner. He's got to win early in the route. And if he does that, he's effective. But his long speed has been a problem. He's been injured. And so they're going to pick up some cap room. I mean, remember, they were playing Eli Apple on their team last year. They, they were not able to really hit with some of these draft picks in the back end, and I think they're going to have to do that. Christian Wilkins is really one of their best defensive linemen. They're going to need to get him signed. Now, does this open the door to for them to franchise Wilkins? I don't know. I don't know how they're going to be able to compete. Wilkins will be a hot, hot commodity in free agency. He will make – he will reset the defensive tackle market. There's some guys out there 
uh, that will do that. You know, Baltimore with, my, I, I want to say, Mata Aluke, the defensive tackle from te- Texas A&M, who's a fabulous player, had 12 and a half sacks for him this year. So they're going to have to really, you know, th- those guys, if they hit the market, which they rarely do, then all of a sudden the money goes flying. And for the Miami front in general, on the defensive side, you lose a great defensive mind in Vic Fangio. Michael, how much of a concern are you at just in general there, regardless of all the you know the cap, the salary cap stuff and the retooling, just the Dolphins' defense and a potential to regress now uh, as we go into the new season? Well, you know, they got injuries too. Jalen Phillips is coming off an injury. Bradley Chubb's coming off an injury. You know, Anthony Weaver's a defensive front seven guy. He's going to coordinate the defense with your guy, Joe Barry, helping on the back end. And so that's going to be interesting how they do it. You know, when when we heard we heard the pushback from the players about Fangio, right? We heard that he was, you know, maybe a taskmaster too hard. Well, you know, Miami, you're going to have to be a little bit of a, of a demanding person because there's so much to do. And if your attention doesn't stay on the football, it becomes a little problematic. So and I don't think Mike McDaniels is really going to hold is one of those guys who's a disciplinarian, if you will. You know, I see him more as a scheme guy, not a culture builder. So it, this is going to be interesting. Now, you know, we're talking about Miami being below the cap. Are they going to add Wilkins? What's the only thing you've heard of coming out of Miami? in this offseason is to his contract, right? They're below the cap with the team they have, and they are going to sign Tua to a contract that is going to make him probably one of the top five players in the league. I wouldn't do it. You probably wouldn't do it. A lot of the league wouldn't do it, but Miami sees it differently than us. And they're third most over the cap right now. We'll break down the full, the leaders as it stands today, Michael. But yeah, it's that's sort of the the big elephant in the room as you go to South uh, South Florida of what to do there when you are in such a situation like that as far as your cap space. We'll also do the exit interviews too. We continue to do those. We'll go into the AFC East team. So we'll talk more Miami here uh, in a little bit as well as the other teams there in the AFC East. The other quick news we wanted to touch on as well. That East East is interesting because Miami's over the cap. Buffalo's the most over the cap of any team. New England's in a rebuilding mold. And the Jets, to me, you know, I don't even know how you do it. So that at East, what appears to be so good. Miami, look, one thing we do know about Miami, they hide their offensive line because they're not very good. They've got three of their offensive linemen up as free agents as well. And that leads into uh, that discussion we'll have next. I mean, the AFC East, you're right. And thinking about where you know, the Jets are going to be a very, very popular uh, bounce back team simply because of the Aaron Rodgers piece coming off injury. But it might not, not be as simple as that, which is what we'll dive into here uh, on the other side. The other just a quick piece of news we'll mention is the Eric Bieniemy thing. He becomes the offensive coordinator and associate head coach at uh, UCLA, which you can get a thought from you, Michael, on the other side here. But just interesting to point out in a year where so many college assistants are trying to make the jump to the NFL, Bieniemy doing the opposite. He is going to college ranks there with Deshaun Foster at UCLA. When we come back, we'll talk those exit interviews views in the AFC East on this Sunday edition of the Lombardi Line. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for a betting edge on college basketball, the VEASAN experts have got you covered. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today and get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full access to VEASAN.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. Visit VEASAN.com slash pro to subscribe today. That is VSIN.com 
slash pro. I'm Ben Wilson in for Stormy. Today, we've got Michael Lombardi with me as well, and we'll talk some more college hoops. Michael with Will Hill joins us to to give some plays for the Sunday card. Will's got a bunch of action for us coming up in 15 minutes. But right now, we continue a series we've been doing here the last week or so, our exit interviews, talking every team in the NFL. And we go to the AFC East, especially for our uh, Destin viewers today with the New England Patriots team that finished rock bottom in that division. Uh, But it's interesting, we talk so much about the cap space, Michael, and you know, at least for New England, they're not in a bad position. It's just a matter of you've got such young personnel and such a rebuild having to undergo here. Uh, where do you go? And our exit interview questions for each team. Starting out number one, did the team reach its full potential or did they fall short? Why or why not? And that's where it's a interesting question, right, with the Patriots because of how bad the personnel ended up looking by the end of the year. Well, I mean, it really is pretty not a complicated issue when it deals with the Patriots. They've got to get a quarterback. I mean, between Zappi, Mac Jones, I mean, it was a turnover machine and it highlighted a lot of other problems on their team. Uh, really, the issue is going to start with the offensive line, right? That Trent, the both starting tackles, Trent Brown is a free agent. Michael Owanu is a free agent. Now they can franchise him. Owanu moved to right tackle, was typically a right guard. He moved out to right tackle, which assures him to get more money uh, out there. They're going to have to really improve this offensive line. They're going to have to improve the skill players, but it won't matter if they don't improve the quarterback position. So I think that's first and foremost. Now, there's no quarterbacks out there in free agency. So with the money that they have and the willingness that they seem to spend, remember the Patriots over the last 10 years have spent the least amount of money of any team in the National Football League. Last year, they were 31st in team spending. This is not a knock on them. This is just they don't want to make a mistake. They don't overpay. They're willing to pass on a guy. But I think this year they're going to be in one of the top spending teams. They want Mayo to be successful. They want to transition from the Belichick era into the Mayo era. And I think they're going to put more money on the table. Look, they've hired 21 assistant coaches. You know, in the past, that was unheard of for New England. You know, they, they were never spending or allocating that many money resources into a coaching staff. So I think 21 is excessive. I think I don't think obviously having that many coaches produces wins. Look how many they, Super Bowls they won with with a smaller staff. So but they're going to have to put some money into this team. And as I've said, the last five years, 31st, the last 10 years, 32nd in spending. So the spending is going to have to start on the auxiliary items outside the quarterback position, and they're going to need to use that third pick if they feel like there's a quarterback there. And Elliot Wolf now takes over. Matt Grill was running the department, and now we've had a shift with Elliot Wolf running it. To, he'll do that, and I think Elliot will do a really good job. Elliot's a really good talent evaluator. He understands what the art of team building requires, and I think he'll focus on the offensive line and adding pieces to their defense. Look, their defense held them in a lot of games. They got four wins, but, I mean, between the field goal kicker and the quarterback, there could have been three more wins easily in that team. Third in a lot of categories in the overall defensive numbers, and now you have Elliott Wolf who even though they have not named an official GM, he's, got, he's the guy most resembling that title, the son of the great former GM, well, Ron Wolf. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, look, it's pretty clear. Jonathan, Jonathan Kraft is running the team. I think that's fairly clear. You know, they, they, they didn't name anybody. They're not going to name a general manager. It's going to be that I have plausible deniability, you know, and they're going to run everything. Look, this is part of what's happened. And, and again, this is not a knock. This is just what you have. To, if you want your team back is what the Crafts obviously wanted. They want their team back. They want to run their team. And they have every right to run their team. They own the team. They paid the money to have the team. So 
I think Jonathan and Robin Glazer, the, his legal counsel, I think those are the two who are in on every coaching interviews that they've had go through there, So, which is fine. And Elliot will do a really good job for them, and they're going to have to be very good offensively and defensively in terms of the scheme. This is a different this is a different operation. We are now in collaboration mode here in New England as opposed to one man running the team. It also leads into the whole thought of okay, for the ceiling in 2024 when you have a team that was that good on the defensive end, but you have so many question marks at the most important positions on offense. How how high do you view that to be, Michael, when there isn't really uh, really a known commodity right now based on the free agent market, and you certainly figure it's how the draft shakes out there for the Patriots at quarterback? Well, it's like anything. I mean, if they get – look, Houston this time last year, we were thinking they were going to have a top five pick again, and they made the playoffs because they hit with Stroud. I think that's the challenge that New England has. New England's not a four-win team. I think that, you know, what what uh, what Dietrich Wise said was true. We have a bad record. We're not a bad team. I mean, they were in a lot of games, and their kicker clearly killed them, killed them, and their quarterback killed them, and they had enough there. Now, you are what your record says you are, and that's what it is, but if they could get any kind of quarterbacking play uh, with Ramondre Stevenson as the running back, you know, and they can add pieces – I think they'll be really good. You know, they'll be able to find enough talent to get them to respectability. But if they get the quarterback who really can make a difference, and Van Pelt's a very good quarterback coach, we'll see. I'm not saying he is or he isn't, but we'll find out. Obviously, Cleveland wanted to make a change from him over. I think this this team could rise above their win total, which I'm sure will be set relatively low. A team that won, yeah, the four games last year, go, when those come out, have not been released yet, the win totals, but you ex, you would expect maybe a, you know, a slight tick up, but with so many unknowns, it's still going to be pretty low, uh, to your point, Michael, on that as we do our exit interviews here, uh, talking AFC East. So that's the case for the Patriots here coming out in 2024. We've already talked Dolphins with their uh, decision to release veteran Xavier Howard at corner. That's the expected move to be made once the official league season kicks into gear uh, here in a couple weeks. As far as the Jets, if we do these offseason exit interviews, obviously it starts and ends with a quarterback and Aaron Rodgers. But outside of that, Michael, and, and you think about the factors here going forward, what else do the Jets need to shore up here to continue to have the belief that they can win with a healthy Rodgers? Well, look, their offensive line's a disaster. Becton's going to be a free agent, right? You know, McGovern, their starting center's a free agent. And, you know, are they really good enough at receiver, right? You know, I mean, are they going to bring Randall Cobb back for another year? I mean, there's a misconception out there that this Jeff Jets team offensively is great skills. Look, Brees Hall's a good player. Garrett Wilson's a really good player. We don't know where they're going to be with Rodgers coming off the Achilles. Who knows? Who can predict it? But can they protect them? I mean, I think that's going to be the key. Look, this team made no changes really relative to the, what they're doing. The offensive coordinator stayed, the defense coordinator stayed. So I think that's going to be the key. Is, and if Rodgers, they're going to go, they're going, they say they're going to sign a backup quarterback because their owner, Woody Johnson, said they never have one. Well, that tells you where they're going to do with Zach Wilson. They're below the, they, they got about $8 million of cap room, which they can add more to their team. I don't think that's going to be an issue, but this is about their offensive line. They've got to repair that and they've got to be able to handle that. A big guy that they have to re sign is Bryce Huff. I mean, he was really good as a rusher coming off the edge. Now, where are they going to let him go? I don't know. I think that's going to be the key question. He'll get a lot of play in the market because very rarely do free do guys that can rush the passer effectively like Bryce Huff can get to the open market.
31st in run blocking, 31st in pass blocking last year. It was a disaster in every regard there for that Jet offensive line. And it brings up the interesting comp yeah, You know we're what's funny, though, Ben, East. is uh, we're yeah. still not even sure. We're not even sure if, 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 I mean, Nathaniel Hackett's had two years as an offensive coordinator, and they have been the two worst years in, in pro football, almost pro football history. Like, are we sure they're going to be able to, just because he coaches Aaron Rodgers, are they going to turn it around? And he gets the ultimate job security. As long as Aaron Rodgers is there, Hackett will be right alongside him. It's it's a really bizarre, and I get that they're you know they're buddy buddy, and he's a hilarious guy in the locker room. And you know, hard knocks, everybody loved him. But yeah, you would think at a certain point the results have to matter. And yet with Rodgers there, I mean the guy's got infinite job security. And it's unbelievable. And so does Salah. I mean, it's remarkable. The whole Jet thing, Douglas, Salah. I mean, what, Douglas has won 29 games. I think he's got like a 31% winning percentage as a general manager. Salah's at 32%. I mean, none of it's worked. But they have jobs. But Mike Vrabel's not working. It's amazing. It is pretty crazy. If you're doing the whole comp here, right, of if you set aside the quarterbacks where between the Patriots and Jets, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum pretty clearly. But rest of the offense with so many questions – who do you power rank as a better personnel as it stands right now with two offenses who outside the quarterback and especially for the Jets were, were real negatives there last year? Well, both of them have weakness in the offensive line. You know, the Patriots need a left tackle. They need a right tackle, you know, which makes me believe that they'll re-sign Michael Elwanu. They have to somewhere, but they don't, the Patriots don't have a Garrett Wilson. At least they have one. I mean, the Jets receiving core is, you know, J- Jason Brownlee, Xavier Kipson. I mean, you know, uh, Alan Lassard, they're going to have to cut him. He's been a disaster. I'm sure they won't because Rodgers, who's acting as the general manager, probably doesn't think he should cut him. I mean, Rodgers, if he wanted to, like, he'd have Randall, he'd, he'd you know, Greg Jennings, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, bring him all to retirement. Let's just bring back, <laughs> bring them the all back. 2010 Packers. <laughs> James Jones, where you at, man? Let's let's bring it all back. Everybody but Jermichael Finley, except that guy. That's basically the Rodgers point of view here uh, as a GM. We'll have a lot more NFL to talk about. We'll do exit interviews for some NFC East teams in a little bit. But up next, we'll talk with our pal Will Hill. He has a win total already, Michael. He likes on one team whose win total is out. We'll get that thought from Will on the other side, along with some college basketball talk next. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, 
pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit $5 and get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. If your first bet loses, download the app and use promo code VSIN when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. I'm Ben in for Stormy today. Michael Lombardi with me from the East Coast, and we've got our pal also from the East Coast, Will Hill, joining us right now here on the Lombardi line. We'll talk some college troops, Michael, but also... A win total. Will already likes, you know, it's weird, Will, is usually you see all these teams released at the same time, but for whatever reason, a lot of the books only are offering Chiefs and 49ers win totals as it stands right now. Uh, as you've looked at where the Chiefs are at coming back here for 2024, 10 and a half on that win total. What do you make of that number? Yeah, I'm not sure why they did that with only releasing the Chiefs and the 49ers. It is a little strange. Uh, to me, the 10 and a half is low. You do have to pay some juice. I think it's minus 140, minus 145. I mean, a lot went wrong for the Chiefs last year. They lost the Philly game on Monday night where they couldn't catch a pass. The Detroit game opening night where Kelsey was hurt and they were you know, dropping balls left and right. Uh, the Green Bay game, they let it away. The Raider game, they get let it away. How many wins they have? They still got 11. So, like, Andy Reid, Mahomes, like, uh, look, I, I'm just going to go with the coach and the quarterback. Unless Mahomes gets hurt, I know the schedule is pretty tough. Anytime you have a first place schedule, your schedule is going to be difficult. You add Harbaugh to division. I'm sure Harbaugh is going to win. He wins everywhere. But 10 and a half is light to me. They're 11, 12 wins. Uh, looking at their schedule, it's interesting. I know, Lombardi, you love the schedules. I wonder who they start opening night against because they do play the 49ers, but that's in San Francisco, so that's not going to be the game, I wouldn't think. I don't know. Baltimore opening night, that that Thursday kickoff, a rematch of the AFC title game. Like I said, the schedule is tough, but to me, they are uh, they are over 10 and a half. That, that's a pretty I easy bet. I thought you handled that. I, 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 I <laughs> <laughs> I thought you're involved in all those discussions. You know, two things I was shocked at today. You, you're one of your bets of the day is the Lakers not to make the playoffs. You're the general manager of that team. You're going against yourself. And then now you're asking me questions about the schedule and you handle the schedule. Who's going to the Brazil? That's the question I want to know. What team is going? Do you think they're put the Cowboys in Brazil with the Eagles to open it up? So what that that's the Friday. So we we have a Thursday opening game like we always do. Then we play the Friday that we play the next day in Brazil with the Eagles. That that's the yeah, schedule. Yeah, I guess so. I, I don't guess. know, if I don't know what the time difference in Brazil is. Yeah, I mean they've been they, they've been trying to uh, keep the division games later in the season. Remember, it's been backloaded where. Philly and Dallas play later. All these division games are later. I don't know if you want to build, if you want to burn a Philly Dallas game right away like that. I wouldn't think so. So maybe they throw, I don't know. Would you throw like the giants out there to get that one? I'm not sure. I'll have to get back. You have to check and uh, do a little digging and see what we come up with. One of Will's like 19 jobs. He's got a, you know, Michael, he's got a, Order of operations uh, on that. Well, and you can see Will Hill on the Bear Bets podcast with Chris Felica from Fox Sports. Also, his own podcast where he just had Ian Eagle on uh, the Should Have Bet More podcast as well. We'll doing uh, we'll doing everything uh, as it stands right now. Uh, so, Chiefs over ten and a half wins is your thought. You also had a question. No, you wanted to ask Michael as far as some maybe some potential Raiders uh, offseason signings. 
Yeah, there's whispers that they want Cousins. I know Adams has come out and said, hey, we want we want to bring Cousins out. I love to play with Cousins. And we saw Max Crosby say, hey, I want to play for Antonio Pierce. So who knows who's running things there? Do you think Cousins to, to the Raiders is possible? I think so. I mean, I think Cousins anywhere is possible, right? Because I mean, Denver's talking about maybe trying to get Cousins. How they create the cap room, I don't know. But with this increase in cap, look, I think the Raiders have two choices. Either they bring a veteran quarterback in like Cousins or they're going to have to trade Adams. Because I don't know how they're going to work it if they don't. He's going to be unhappy the whole offseason. So for me, I, I think it makes, you know, look, they need to get, if they're going to try to be competitive in the West, they're not going to be competitive with Aiden O'Connell, despite what Luke Getze says about that. So, you know, and I think to me, if the Vikings are hesitant on guaranteed money, the Raiders are desperate enough to guarantee everything. And they're going to be able to pick it up. So yeah, I, I don't. I think Cousins is in play in a lot of places. The salary cap increase, the season that he had, I think it becomes harder and harder for him to return to Minnesota if he's willing. You know, if he's willing to take less, which has never been Cousins' modus operandi to take less. You know, I, I think clearly, why should he? Because the market's going to be fruitful, fruitful for him because there's so many teams in desperate need. I mean, why wouldn't Atlanta? Look, Zach Robinson's the offensive coordinator down there. He was with the Rams. That's the same offense that Cousins with Shanahan. They all want to run that. Why wouldn't Atlanta be strong players in that as opposed to trying to get a guy who's won 10 games in three years as opposed to get a guy like Kirk Cousins who's legitimately could win the, the South for you? Yep, And it's a Raider team. They're one of those top 10 teams, Will, as we were talking about earlier on the show. One of the 10 teams with at least 50 million in cap space. So there is space there if they wanted to bring in a guy like a Kirk Cousins, who's currently minus about 200 to go back to the Minnesota Vikings. But there are so many moving parts there uh, with Cousins and where he goes in 2024. What's right, the Raiders turn, number? Uh, Just out of curiosity, yeah. what's the Raiders number? I, you know, they had I took it off the board. I saw I thought it was like it was high single digits. It was in that eight plus 850 or so not range. Bad. Um, not bad. So, you know, the thing is, you don't get a lot of value on that. A lot of teams are set, you know, 10 to 1 or lower. That can right. sometimes be the issue uh, on that. Let's transition. Well, though, talk some college basketball since you've got plays and games coming up. This is a game that starts in just over an hour at MSG as uh, Rick Patino, week after bashing the team's facilities and uh, everything around St. <laughs> John's, uh, the, the Storm are trying to make a late push here and they get Creighton uh, going on the road today. Creighton Lane. Uh, was two on the opener, now up to three there market-wide. Creighton at St. John's in the Big East, Will. What do you see in the matchup? I actually like St. John's. I, I like fading Creighton off a big win. You know, we saw UConn off a big win against Marquette and not play well in Creighton. And Creighton just made a bunch of threes. It's never a bad idea to bet against these teams after they have their biggest win of the season. And if you just look, I mean, home road splits are such a big part of college basketball. This Creighton offense, about 17 points per 100 possessions worse on the road. Meanwhile, the St. John's defense, about 17 points per possession better uh, defensively at home. So the home road splits favor St. John's here. These teams played back in January. I think it was the first day of the playoffs that first wild card saturday st john's lost by a point they got a bad call at the end creighton shot 20 something free throws st john's only shot eight st john shot two of 11 from three uh if there's any hope of st john's getting back in if they, they're going to need a lot more than this win today but if they can win today then win at butler you put yourself in a position i think they're 15 and 12 you can put yourself in a position where you can win out the regular season maybe you win a game in, or two in the big east tournament and get to like 20 wins uh, they're going to have a shot to get in. I know they're on the outside looking in. They're clearly on the outside looking in right now. But the committee would love to have a New York team with Patino. They would just love 
from a TV standpoint to get St. John's in the tournament. So I still think they have a shot if they make a run to, to get in that large. It starts today. Uh, I think they get it done. I think this is a nice number for them. I think it's a good spot, too, for uh, for St. John's plus the three. And, and you like you, the Rutgers-Maryland game. What, what catch it? Why do you like the under in this one so much? Both these teams play really good defense, uh, and neither team can shoot. Both these teams are under 30% from three. Maryland only makes about six threes per game. Uh, Rutgers makes like five and a half threes per game. These teams met uh, about a month ago, uh, a few weeks ago. It was 59-56. There was five made three-pointers combined between the two teams. This is going to be a rock fight. Under 60 and a half for the first half is a bet I like. Uh, you could go under 129 or so for the full game. But then again, you, you get in a situation where you could get burnt by fouls at the end. You could get burnt by overtime if it's a close game and goes overtime. So quick, uh, an early start. I like that for unders, too. Sometimes you just get a sleepy start in these, you know, 11 a.m., 12 o'clock Eastern starts. The, the gyms aren't full yet. The, the kids are half asleep. Uh, to me, two, two good defensive teams, two bad shooting teams. This is an under. Should not be a fun game to watch, but I think the under is a good play here. And Will Hill giving us a, a pick for the Masson audience as well. I mean, the guy guy knows his audience, too, in addition, Michael, to his, uh, his 19 jobs. You, you can follow Will at not the Will Hill. That's another noon Eastern tip, as Will was talking about. Rutgers right now, two-point consensus favorites uh, and looking at first half under their 60 and a half. Another really good game today, Will, as we go to the American Conference, uh, where in the American Athletic, uh, you have Masson. Memphis at home today, uh, looking like a, a line move in their favor here. Home dog still, but Florida Atlantic's been spotty this year after the Final Four run a season ago. Uh, what do you make about the spot there for the Memphis Tigers catching one and a half? Yes, spotty is being kind to Florida Atlantic. It's hard to say championship hangover because they didn't win a championship, but there is definitely a little bit of, boy, it's one thing to achieve success, but it's another thing to sustain it. And this is a team they were playing in the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight in Madison Square Garden. They're a second away from going to the national championship. They were ranked 10 to uh, top 10 to start the year. They just haven't played as well. Uh, they've come into this season, just they haven't defended. They haven't rebounded. They're around 100th in the country in Kempom and both. Memphis has an athletic front court uh, with, with guys like Tomlin and, you know, some of their uh, players in terms of guys that can get to the basket. Florida Atlantic has not been good defending the hoop. And this is an ultimate revenge spot because Memphis, you mentioned Florida Atlantic making the final four. It started in round one against Memphis. Memphis was up one with the ball on the ground trying to call timeout. They called it a jump ball. They, it gave it yep. to Florida Atlantic, who scored out of a timeout. Florida Atlantic goes on to win the game, go to the final four, and Memphis gets knocked out. So Memphis, I'm sure, has an axe to grind here. They have not played well either, but they've got more talent than their record shows. I think it's a good spot for them. I think Memphis wins today. F FAU will had what? Like an, was it an, an 11 game non cover streak earlier this year? I mean, it was it's insane. Been bad. They've been horrible against the spread. They've been really bad. You. And you like the Lakers not to make the playoffs, Will? I mean, come on. They're you're gonna, betting against yourself. They're going to be a 10 seed. They're probably going to have to win at Golden State, at Phoenix. They're not catching any of these teams. It's uh, that Westbrook trade killed their assets. They just they don't have any shooting. Minus 140 right now on that not to make it's the playoffs number. bet there for the L.A. Lakers. Will, you always cover everything. Thanks so much for giving us some time. All right. See you guys. Thanks for having me. We still have a lot more to get to in hour number two of the show. Jonathan Von Tobel joins us in a half hour as we continue Sunday edition of the Lombardi Line. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. 
And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.